namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa udang namang sangang namasami So I think from time to time a lot of us have a struggle or confusions around authority and traditions and rules and observances and structures and how that relates to me in my meanness and uh, it's a good thing to reflect on One of us make obviously make a choice to enter into something. We look at it carefully. We look at it repeatedly. We look at it for a long while. Feel it out. Stick one's toe in the water, and make some choices. And enter into something. It's a formalized, uh, traditional, often. Uh, bits that one you know, doesn't have personal direct experience of, you just take on trust that this is the right thing or the proper thing or the accepted thing or the beautiful thing or the graceful thing or the polite thing or the uh, Buddhist thing. <laughs> you know, just because, well, okay, fair enough, you know. One recognizes one needs some uh, some support, some help, we need some guidance, and uh, you know, see that often when one's left to one's own devices, there's a lot of um, dead ends one gets into, or barks up wrong trees, or goes off in wrong directions. You know, so, so certainly for myself, when I started meditating, it didn't take me more than about half an hour to think I'd better go to a monastery. I think I'm going to hold this together in the way I live. <laughs> it's pretty kind of ad hoc, spontaneous, formless. You know, I need some, something to really, you know, put some boundaries in there. And uh, restraint. And, uh, and also something that asked me to be with myself more than keep distracting myself or spooling out into running around in circles or boogieing or something or the other. You know, something that's actually going to hold that energy and so as I can really review it and uh, distill it, see what's, you know, rather just a bit splash all over the place where I really need to put my um, energies for my welfare. So, so go to a monastery. Well, do this for a while, week or so, probably good. And uh, I had nothing more in mind than that. Thought that'd be a good foundation to have a week or so in a monastery just to get some foundation in meditation. You know, get that one in. Of course, after a week you don't really get much of a foundation, just see how little foundation there is. <laughs> you know, you sit still and the mind is still for about three seconds and then all over the place. You think, well, I need a little more time with this one. You know, uh, so, so, okay. And, well, just to do that, I'll put up with whatever you have to do. You know, it's fair enough. You, know, you can always leave. And it really wasn't that bad. It was just kind of basically things you just can't, you know, things you're not supposed to do. Yeah. Okay, yeah, right. Some it's very clear and obvious. It's a, intoxication, obviously, bad speech, you know, killing, mm. irresponsible sexuality, no sexuality about that, but 
seemed a bit difficult. But uh, I could see that the sense of the simplicity and the uh, containment of that seemed really useful. Trying to take for a while anyway. And so, certainly one finds oneself accepting and even approving of the precepts in a, in a way. Um, but then quite a lot of it is little points. It just seems irritating points of etiquette and procedure, the way one wears one's robes and so on. You know, what the customs are, putting things on receiving cloths and having not allowed to have sugar more than five, seven days and give it up, this kind of thing. And, um, you know, the sense of actually one wants the something one wants to train in, something one definitely doesn't want it. You know, I don't want to be fussed over and sort of picked at and, you know, and have to tidy myself up, be neat, orderly. Because, <laughs> yeah. uh, and then the sense of the, uh, you know, the, the, the tradition as an idea, occupies a place of of something that um, is shutting me down. You know, it makes me feel infantile, or some kind of implacable authority. You haven't got any way of dialogue or feedback with it. Just that's the way it is. You little boy, you know, in your corner. No, no explanations required. I don't need to give you explanations. Just do that. Shut up. You know. <laughs> and so actually the, uh, when the tradition takes on that particular demonic aspect then one gets, loses touch with the, the, the uh, beautiful aspects of it the gracefulness or the gentleness or the modesty and the uh, generosity in it and the sensitivities in it suddenly all that seems to disappear when just left with this feeling of the the coldness or the sterility or the the um, heavy-handedness or the sense the the unresponsive you know no matter what I am it will just always say I don't care who you are this is what you do you know the, the sense of which my individuality is is uh, doesn't matter I don't count <laughs> you know? and uh, so. And it's quite, um, this is, I think, things that probably well up, either become very clear or just well up occasionally as, as sort of feelings of boredom or irritation over things that aren't really that bad. They're just, it's just, uh, why can't I just be me, you know? I don't have to do all this stuff. And it, it touches into an aspect of our lives which is the a loss of authority and I think this is really um, important to, to see actually this, uh, this tradition is not something that's about loss of authority but the, the loss of authority that we're already experiencing easily projects itself onto the tradition mm creates a sense of tradition it's a sort of it's a wound if you like something that's there in our minds and hearts a sense of loss of personal authority yeah. when it's been either seduced into following particular things or um, shamed or disgraced out of personal things yeah. so a sense of not really having a, a clear um, sense of authority you know, I'm doing this and this feels good, it's right, it's true mm-hmm. uh, and that, that, that kind of uh, experience seems to be you know, I didn't feel it for a, a while because mm-hmm. there were other things happening restlessness, pain um, physical pain dullness, restlessness stupefaction of the mind 
just you know all that stuff going on. Didn't, these things is a bit too subtle at first. So it took a while before I actually got down to that level of of um, feeling this kind of sense of uh, um, frustration with uh, what I perceived or what seemed to be the Buddhist authority, Buddhist tradition, monasticism. Yes. And admittedly, uh, it was particularly when I, I it's, just, it's a sort of mixed thing, isn't it? Someone wants to be part of something and feel connected to things and be in something that's shared with other people. Um, we can recognize, well, if, you know, if I'm going to share this situation with other people, if I'm just play, doing my own thing, playing my own tunes, listening to my own stuff, doing my own stuff, then you know, how, how's that for other people? You know, how am I actually going to be in some sort of sharing thing with others if we're all just off on our own little trips? So there's got to be some way in which we level out and say, well, okay, I'll, you know, I'm not just going to be myself from a purely self-involved point of view. I want, you know, I want to be part of something else. Yeah. And yet, uh, it's also the case that um, one can find that 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 the group experience can be one in which everybody is not being themselves, <laughs> not in touch with themselves. So in the level of language and dialogue and experience is all, I, I, uh, you know, like I don't want to reveal who I, I don't want to reveal myself. You know, I, I can't be who I am and she can't be sure who she is and he can't be who he is. So the group, re, group experience is one of people not being, being where they are. You know, so you get kind of like a deadness and you can actually think, goodness me, this is, you know, like, go and sit with two or three lay people. It seems much more uh, kind of alive and connected and, and vital and interested than when I'm sitting with a group of people who are training for awakening. You know, what's happening? You know, the, and it seems to be a piece of the process that, that comes up that we don't often really focus on or understand very well, the, the sense in which the the, the tradition takes on this demonic aspect of being that which kind of deprives uh, my, me of awakening up, deprives me of vitality because it, it, I can't actually relate my energies or my moods or my qualities. You know, I, I can't relate that to the awakening process. It's always about stopping it, shutting it down, calming it down, quieting it down, not acting upon it, giving it up, letting it go. <laughs> Uh, and you get the feeling, you know, like that you're basically sort of blight on the purity of the unconditioned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's, there's, it's easy to kind of see, experience those those things in the in the form of it. how separate it can feel. In some ways the separation's nice and cool and well, it's good, I can actually just feel with, be with this bit rather than be in something that I feel entangled with. I don't have. But then another way that separation feels, where's, where's, my, where's it going? You know, what am I in? Is anybody out there? <laughs> And uh, the feeling of a lack, lack of resonance, like you're in some, some freezer or a void. Uh, that's very disturbing for the heart. Yeah. I think we probably all you know, recognize some of these things that happen in our group situations. And certainly for myself, you know. I was, top of everything and you know stuck up on this little platform and you know talking into the space 
can bring up that feeling of, uh, of a kind of grief. You know. There's real people here. I'm, I'm a human, you know. Where's the quickness? Where's the life? And this demonic thing sort of takes over. And it's, uh, you can see there's, I recognize a certain kind of um, tendencies within that that, that keep, it, keep it going. One of them is the sense of something that says, well, this is probably good for you. If it hurts, it's probably, probably good for you. Probably cleaning something out of your system. Probably good to let go of some attachments. You know, that, that kind of little chirpy thing comes up. That uh, one day I'm going to find that thing and throttle it. <laughs> uh, kind of, you know, the wagging finger of that. And these are all aspects I'm sure we all will find uh, the, the, the aspects of the demonic that uh, uh, you know can recognise however they feel for you. But um, I would sense it's just this this experience, and I, I would reckon it's the experience we all have you know of it's not that this takes it away from us this takes away our authority we've never actually had it um, it's always been taken away we've got used to giving it away we've got used to it we've got all sorts of syndromes that tell us to give it away that tell us to be right to do our duty to be quiet to behave and all that kind of thing and with, with and these are terms that actually are, unfortunately, they're they're they're, they're meaningful terms. Yeah, you know, we, we, it's good to be calm and behave and so forth. But it's the it's the how, you know, how these terms, whether handled by demons or whether they're handled by Buddhas, that count really. You know, words and ideas can go different ways. And so often some of these, you know, things that actually have skill and meaning and value in them get handled by demons. And the demons are all about, you know, they're in the syndrome of this loss of authority of them, not finding it. So something me can feel, you know, feel or get that sense of just want to chuck it all away, you know, get out of this stuff. Um, kind of uh, frustration and rage to, to get out of it all. Mm. Uh, at the same time, I can recognize, you know, something you can recognize, it's not, it's not the thing, it's, what, it's what's happening. It's not actually, uh, you know, being quiet, sometimes you can be quiet, quiet calm down. Something that says, I don't want to be quiet. I don't want to be quiet and quiet and down. I want to talk. I want to move around. I want to, sit, you know, I want to meet people. I don't want to sit still. I want to go out and boogie around a bit, move around. A bit. What's wrong with that? You know, just, just because I want to do it. That's all. <laughs> you know, I don't have to have a why. There's some. <laughs> And I, I kind of, oh, I quite like that, that. Whoever that is, I quite, I quite appreciate that, that uh, energy. You know, the, the, the sense of the, the uh, vitality of it. Yeah. And it, it, yeah, I recognise actually. No, it's not not the point. I particularly. You know, I've done all, plenty of moving around, I've done plenty of talking, I've plenty of stuff already. That wasn't the point. The point that was, I was doing it, you know. I was doing it from here. I was doing it from kind of some, some however confused it was, some kind of heart base. And uh, when I sort of recognised that's the real point, you know, I said, well, actually, can I, you know, where does... Um, Restraint come from from a heart place. 
rather than from some external thing. You're just getting, trying to get a personal heart feeling for that. So that actually, I really appreciate the sense of respect and space that that generates. You know, something we'd really like to yap and run around and do all kinds of stuff. And, and yet, I realise if I'm just you know blowing my trumpet, I can't listen to other people's violins. So if I just Turn it down a bit. It's not because I want to be in some void, but I want to actually be sensitive enough to hear, listen, feel what, what's going on around. I just don't want to be living on my own planet. You know, I like to be in something else because that to me is what, um, you know, the, the, the sense of coming out of the self view. I think it's very meaningful. You know, that, that actually. Um, sense of self uh, as a sense is, is very often is marked with a feeling of uh, isolation and defense and I've got to keep all this going and you know, I don't trust what's around me I'm not comfortable with what's around me I don't feel integrated with what's around me so and that's, that's, the, that's the real issue it's not that whether one's silent or whether one's with people or one's alone but do we, do we live in an envelope of mistrust, of fear, of anxiety, of some sort of nebulous antipathy or defensiveness. Because yeah. you know, it's not that I can go out and be, meet everybody and be buddy-buddy with everybody, but do I, am I actually living inside a membrane of mistrust? Yeah. That's very important to me. So, to be in a shared world, it doesn't, to my mind, mean that I've, uh, I've got to be a tremendous socialite. But essentially, I don't, I don't live in a sealed-off state. Because I can feel what it does, you know, as a meditator. Feel the results of it. It's got up into my head. I just play with my train set, basically. Yeah. I've got some nice train sets, better than I used to have. But I don't want to just be, you know, doing my little thing. Yeah. But then when you're, when you're on your own, that's all you can do. When you're in, inside the, this kind of membrane of self, that's all one ever does, really. You just play your trumpet, get your train set out, twiddle with your computer, you know, doodle and diddle, knit your socks, whatever you do. And uh, I'm tired of just being my, this little, busy little self-important self, you know, with his trips, you know. So I don't know, you know, I'd like to just come out of that. I don't know what the rest of it's about. I'd like to just be coming out of that. Then I'm just beginning to see uh, sort of a, a form or a form that, that involves other people in a particular way in which it isn't um, about um, you know about latching on or about people taking other people over seducing or power things or um, you know allegiances and alliances in the wrong sense but just about uh, a situation that allows for distinction but acknowledges there's no real ultimate separation and I think that to me that's a very meaningful reference that we can be distinct and we respect allow and interested in the distinction and yet on one level we also know there's no ultimate separation if you don't get the two, those two terms, you know, the sense of, so if we think there's, there's, there's no such thing as distinction, you know, so we're all the same, there's a kind of, then what tends to happen is there's a swamping, and, uh, you know, one basically is held on the emotional level, which emotional level tends to some, um, get a sense of, you know, resonance, 
So that gets really busy, and it's happy, and it's sad, and it switches around. And in some way, it doesn't allow the separations, the, the relative separations, to occur. So if we recognise we're distinct, but not ultimately separate, so you know, it's rather like being a particular vortex in a stream, by your own movements, it's definitely going to affect other other movements, and you're definitely getting those energies from other situations. It's a kind of responsive thing that is formed in a larger context, and so it's distinct, but it's not separate. This means you know you're actually feeling and listening and sensing and knowing there's this bit and this is where I yeah, that's unpleasant, that's a disagreeable experience, that's an agreeable experience. There's a tendency to want more, there's a tendency to want less, you know. And you can actually got something, some way of of knowing that that there's this those senses within a larger context. Because otherwise, if one's, one's distinction becomes ultimate, then I take those feelings, all I've got to rely upon really is whether I like something or dislike it. And those things, that's what I follow, or I react to. Either I say, whatever I like, I'll do, or I say, whatever I like, I won't do. And that's all I really, really kind of form around is... is how I relate to different degrees of what's agreeable and what's disagreeable. We can get ideological, you know. Whatever I like, I'll give up. That's probably good for me, you know. Let go of it all. Or whatever I like, I'll do. That's probably good for me. You know, it gives me a sense of affirmation and authority. Or whatever I get like, I'll give up and relinquish. That sense of purity and, and homage and so forth. But really, one's just actually you know, consolating around the simple experience of agreeable or disagreeable, becoming and non-becoming. And that's essentially all bound up with the sense of self, distinction. I mean, what else can one really, um, you know, form around? If there's only only one centre, you know, it has to, you can only navigate in accordance with it. Is that do I like that or not like that? But when you're in something where there's a, a plurality of centres, you can feel the sense of uh, that's that's disagreeable or agreeable, and that's mine or that's hers or that's his or that's there or this is present. That's not present. It's, it's all there. It's in the. It's like the weather, isn't it? It's all out there. And uh, you can sense it, but you don't actually have to, to take sides with it, because it's all held within something bigger, bigger stream. You know, which is the sense of, of uh, consciousness, you know, a kind of collective experience, because we're referring to something bigger than just this, this one. So the mind, in a way, has uses uh, collective and tradition and sangha as just a skillful means to open beyond, you know, following myself or denying myself. So I can hold, I can be myself within something that I can contemplate myself from, rather than take sides with it or deny it. No one finds a kind of authority develops there. It's because it, it's authority that's about uh, having wisdom. And uh, comprehension of energies and conditionality.
I was talking to a, a woman a few years ago and she was saying to me, well, she was in the monastery, why, well, why don't you, what, what's wrong with eating in the evening? Why don't you eat in the evening? And I said, well, just, you know, um, it's a renunciation. So why don't, well, why, why can't, you know, why don't you just renounce it some other, why, don't, why can't you eat in the evening? What's wrong with that? And she said, I don't really like this bit about, you know, why, why do you all have to, why do you have to wear the same kind of robes and things? So I don't really like the, the you know, why, why, do the, why do the women always have to come after the men in these lineups? And, you know, why is it like, so she was having quite a hard time with all these, you know, bits of it. You know, the bits that we, obviously we can all, probably all felt some heat around and dissonance around at times. In the sense of, can't do this, you can't do that. This, 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 not that. You know, discriminations. And uh, so I said, well, and she was finding all these problems she was having. I said, with it. She said, I said, well, why don't, you know, maybe she try something at Zen or something. She said, well, no, I feel part of this. I feel part of this tradition. <laughs> I couldn't get it at that time, but now I understand it now. Because <laughs> you, you know, it's part of something, not because you you agree with it, every bit of it, every bit of its form. You know, that to me is is uh, I think rather dangerous actually. <laughs> you know, because if you you agree and think every bit of its form is exactly right and the way it should be and proper and, and this and that and the other. I mean, it's kind of fundamentalism, isn't it? And uh, you get kind of blind infatuation. It's like when you form a relationship with someone, if you just think everything about them is absolutely wonderful, where's that going to go? You know, what are you looking at? <laughs> what do you see? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the story, isn't it? Of infatuation. And actually it's just massive you know, filtering and projections, uh, something, you can, something you can believe in, you know, something you can kind of, and that's, that's where authority gets lost, you know, one of the, one of the other aspects of it is we, we want something out there, you know, to, to make me feel I'm in the right, right team, right group, everything I agree with, I'm in it, you know, it's the best, I'm with a, I, my wife and my partners, the most beautiful, wise, intelligent, whatever, um, you know, flawless kind of thing. Why? (laughs) And so so this is so normal, you know, the best country in the world or, you know, best monastery in the West kind of thing, you know, and, uh, you know, the forest tradition, the best, only purists and so forth. you know, with it, and we can see that that you know we can always find that happening specific instances, and the one that I believe in, so yeah, it's true. No, but this is true. This is actually is the best. You know, I mean, I'm prepared to be liberal and allow other people, but this, this is this is the best, isn't it? Otherwise, I wouldn't be anything that isn't the best, would I? If it was something better, I'd, if it isn't the best, where is the best? I'll go to the best. I want the best. I'm going to be the best. I don't want to be the kind of all right on a good day ones. I'm going to be with the best. Where's the best? <laughs> it's out there, isn't it? Somewhere. Somewhere in, out there is the, the perfect perfect person for me and that's giving something away isn't it putting it out there so actually belonging to some establishing a sense of belonging to something that actually maybe isn't the best because perhaps there isn't the best you know, every, everything's got flies in this ointment. Everything's got warts. Everything's specky. We live in a water universe. You know, <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's it. 
So then it's really the important thing to recognize is how do I, how do I, how do I live in a specky, warty universe? Yeah. And uh, well, if I could live in a, if I could do that, I could probably live with a specky, warty self, couldn't I? That might be a good idea. <laughs> Because you, you're trying to find, we're trying to find, um, you know, some authority, something you can believe in, something you can feel grounded by, in an idea, uh, rather than in the, your skills in relationship with the conditioned realm. And it seems that that, you know, the skill in how we relate to that which. I got this, I didn't get that, this drives me nuts, this is weird, this is nice, I like this bit, I, yeah, I can see the point of that. And, yeah. How do we relate to that? In developing that skill, and that I think you could get really very good at, and that would be extremely useful. Because if it's just going to be about me establishing the best place, well, I'll start, I don't want her in it. <laughs> You know, that's what it's, it, it gets like that, doesn't it? You know, my team, I don't want the people with knock knees in it. Uh, uh, so, you to, you know, that kind of thing. And then you've you got your little team, maybe, and uh, you kind of keep the warts under cover, and you start to, you know, everybody else is really coming up to it. Then we start to tell them where they got it wrong. Or put out our, our wares to show how we we got it right, you know. And I do <laughs> detect some of this happening. <laughs> the self-importance of window dressing ones, one set up. You know, the kind of websites and the publicity and the stuff, you know, getting your tomatoes and pears out, come by. You know, I also have a website which said. We mean well, you know, but we're kind of fumbling and, you know, he always turns up late, she's got real problems. And uh, it's a bit fuddy-duddy if you ask me, but it's alright, the food's not bad, you know. And if you want to come come along and, you know, be part of it, you'd probably find a place for you somewhere. That'd be a nice kind of website to see, wouldn't it? (laughs) Rather than, you know... Oh, compassionate, wise, enlightened, serene. Because actually, in you, you know, we see what, what happens when one starts to consider these things. You go up to this kind of little sort of ethereal bubble in the brain. Um, and it actually come down to, you know, what does it take to be warm-hearted, accepting, and sensitive? the pushes and the pulls and the, you know, just to have to be continually awake and aware of one's passions and aware of one's anger and aware of one's grief and uh, use, of, use the, the form as something that actually sometimes actually brings that up but helps me to see the energies that I keep throwing myself away with and the pain I've experienced in doing it, and you know, actually, this is not what it's about. You know, it's not about killing yourself. It's about healing yourself. You know. try to use this to heal yourself of the not only the pains but the the reactions and the projections and the blaming and the not seeing. and the fantasizing and one begins to certainly for myself seeing that you know even something just like this robe you know when I first started putting these robes on years ago Oh my goodness, what a trip that was. You know, this thing's always falling off. It's, it's too small. These little tie robes are too small. 
and then you kind of wind it on and you keep seeing when you, your left arm goes into spasms because you've got to keep the thing stuck under your armpit and it keeps slipping off because it's all starchy and shiny and you feel a real idiot anyway prancing around this kind of like a fairy in this kind of yellow thing <laughs> with a skirt on big kind of white knobbly legs sticking out underneath this thing looks good on ties <laughs> <laughs> Why hairy legs sticking out? <laughs> I think it was falling off, and and, they, and you get back to your. You're supposed to eat, and you get bend over, and the thing falls off into the curry. <laughs> so you got to wind it on again. <laughs> You can't do things, you can't move around without falling off or you know, Sabong drop Sabong fell off one time in Bindabad. It's kind of a difficult experience. <laughs> and then uh, you know, the Thai they're very keen, they really they really appreciate and put a lot into form. So you know, somewhere and somebody starts tidying you up, you know. Because your rope isn't quite on right, so you're just really kind of picking away, tidying you up. You now you walk to take two bigger steps when you walk, so you do little mincing steps instead. And then being like one of those horses they have dressage with, so you prance around. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, for, it doesn't feel like that at the time. The time people they just think that's kind of nice. You know, to them it doesn't doesn't touch. It doesn't affect them that way. They think, oh, it's lovely to have the sense of... Because they do it in a, a graceful and soft with it. They just kind of gentle themselves into it. When you're kind of big and pushy and knobbly, it's like you're trying to, trying to cart horse to, to um, be groomed like a, pu- like a poodle. And this thing's a kind of big, lumpy thing. <laughs> but if you're kind of, kind of little and you've got a soft body language and kind of gentled, then it seems to work quite well. You know. uh, so then you actually feel that you get a kind of resentment to these, these robes you was wearing, you hate them, you rip, rip them off. And uh, So I you know, just kind of train up myself on just getting the body to feel you know, physically, you know, rather than go through my mind, just feeling the sense of the pressure of the the cloth, and just trying to re- relax within it first of all, in the sense of just sitting and feeling my own body, you know, because it, so you even lose your body, you're so concerned about the outward look of it, or nervous or self-conscious, and when she loses the body, the body, it's, that's part of the message, is actually, there's a robe here, but there isn't a body underneath it, <laughs> and so that's kind of like, actually to feel the cloth, it's the skin, and just find out actually, you know, you, it will, it will, it does fit. You know. Now, now the thing, I, it's funny now, because now I always pick up a robe, it's like a, having a trained dog, it just jumps on me. It kind of hangs, stays there. Because I sort of seem to have worked out something, almost like on a level of actually feeling my own body, you know, and it, the way it is, and the shapes, and the the, the uh, dynamism of it, or whatever it is, actually, you know, within this form, in this cloth, and it's a really, to my mind, it's a useful analogy of how one, you know, kind of meets the form. You put your own body and the, and the, and the robe representing the form, and actually, you know, we can sort of worry about the, the robe look at the, what it looks like, we're wearing it right, can we do it right, can we get it right, and we, we forget our body inside. Actually, you've got to kind of feel your own presence inside that, uh, you know, and where it meets and where it doesn't meet, and uh, relax with it. And eventually the sense feels very comfortable. And it seems that what the way one loses authority uh, and loses the sense of really being 
you know, in anything actually, not just the, the Buddhist monk form or nun form, but actually in anything, is that we are abstract into an idea of what it should be, and um, and that that losing it like that, what it should be, and then also the feeling of um, once we go into that abstract, there's a split you know, into the should be realm. And then there's a feeling of something else. Some, it's saying what it should be. It's no longer really coming from my heart. It, and it's a demon starts saying what it should be. And of course we can say, well, the demon is the Ajahn. Or he's doing it. Or the book does it. Or the Buddha did it. You know, or the Patimoka does it. But actually... It's, uh, you know, and it can seem that, but really, intimately, actually, the experience of it is something in my consciousness is generating that as a particular kind of, and the pain of that, and the, you know, that you don't count of that. And to really... Use the the form to find that 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 thing that that, that demon that quality. Yeah. And to start to feel oneself within that, one's body within that, the the tightness or the contraction of the body in that, or the fluster or the coldness or the whatever's going in the heart within that. And just to work on the body and the heart to come out from that, to come back to even feeling the pain, feeling the anger, feeling the sadness, and just being with that, and uh, holding that, and staying with that, and attuning to that, and not, you know, denying it or tidying it up, just being with that. And it seems almost like it's the way in which, when we've given that enough listening, the quality of that response, the way that we respond to our suffering, becomes the authority, you know, the way we respond to suffering. And it, it sort of, I find that from that, then from that place, actually, you know, I can live myself as a, as a monk. something in me sort of unfolds into it start to breathe it, live it and the um, I find it's very valuable because it's, it's not as if uh, you know you're living a life then they're actually taking on the conditioned realm with its sadnesses and its joys and its colours and its weather uh, and the, the, the problems of form, any form with its distinctions and its angularity and its boundaries and its yeses and noes and all that and something one is actually able to to no longer feel so um, so 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 lost in it all. We ha- handle it with compassion, with equanimity, with restraint, with care, with mindfulness, and that's the really empowering thing. In my experience. So tonight is this, this we'll have this um, repulsive tonight, we'll have the all night vigil. So, yeah, just at least to, to um, consider in the mind, you know, sense of 
of uh, Buddha recommending vigilance and wakefulness and using the, the once a month the upposita to move outside of the boundaries of what perhaps one would immediately find comfortable uh, not because you, you should do or you got to or it's you know not from some demonic place but from like a you know place of awakening inquiry why do I have to always you know do I have to always feel good to be with something is it alright to be tired you know with something is it alright to not feel so clear do I always have to be on top of everything you know can I just just you know give myself to something follow it and uh but feeling one day she does the giving. Yeah. And uh, to me, certainly I find myself who wants actually living in a, in a sphere, in a context of giving, then uh, there's some, some deep sharing, some sense of connection and encouragement and... Uh, um, support that occurs that's uh, a lot more fruitful than uh, than me doing my little thing mm. this is Sangha as, a, as an aspect of the Buddha rather than as a you know, demonic tribe. Andamayam namagataya sadhukarangaramase. <laughs>